Psalm 104 is a psalm of creation, a psalm of creation. Like Psalm 103, it begins with the phrase, Praise the Lord, O my soul. In Psalm 103, the Lord was praised for his work in history. Here in Psalm 104, God is praised for his creative and sustaining power. Now, the psalmist uses the creation narrative of Genesis 1 as the underlying text for his psalm. Hence, he writes of the first day in verse 2, the second day in verses 3 to 5, the third day in verses 6 to 18, the fourth day in verses 19 to 23, and the fifth day in verses 24 to 30. The psalmist's use of the creation narrative as a means of worship underscores not only his acceptance of the Genesis 1 truth, but sets forth an example of how to use the scripture in our worship. And we're going to begin with verse 1 with the ascription. Then we'll move to the creative works of God in verses 2 through 30, and we'll close with a benediction in verses 31 to 35. We will not tackle this entire psalm in one setting, and so we'll take a portion of it this time and another portion in our next devotion. So let's begin in verse 1 with the ascription. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. Now, verse 1 opens with the psalmist addressing himself, commanding himself to bless the Lord, O my soul. Again, identical to Psalm 103 and verse 1. To bless Yahweh is to bring praise, to bring worship to him. And this is the highest act that we are called upon to do, to worship God. This was the purpose of our creation. Humanity was created to worship God. Humanity was also redeemed to restore us to worshiping God. And so the purpose of our creation and the goal of our redemption is to worship God. Why do we worship God? Because he is great. He's wondrous. He's magnanimous. uh, He's uh, mighty. On and on we can go as to why God is to be worshiped. Furthermore, he is clothed with splendor and majesty. Again, a description of how God is set apart, how he is high, how he is lifted up, how he is distinct from us. Now let's move into the creative works with verses 2 through 30. And we'll begin with the first day in verse 2. The first day in verse 2. Now before we get into the psalm, let's read Genesis chapter 1 and beginning with verse 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. Verse 2 of Psalm 104. Covering yourself with light, as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. Notice he begins by describing God as being covered with light. First John 1 John 1.5 tells us that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The fact that God is light communicates his holiness. And so the very first thing that God brings into this world, brings into the created realm, is light, which emanates from himself. He creates out of himself. There was nothing... And then God took from himself and created light, brought light into the world. And, of course, he then stretches out the heavens like a curtain. 
And of course, that's what we see, uh, that the uh, universe, the created universe, is continually stretching. It's moving outward. And that's exactly what Psalm 104, verse 2 confirms for us, that when God created the heavens, he created it, and it's still moving outward. We come now to the second day. So the first day was light. The second day is a separation of the waters in Psalm 104, verses 3 to 5. But let's uh, pick up in Genesis 1 and verse 6. Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And so it was so. God called the expanse heaven. There was evening. There was morning. A second day. Now, this separation of the waters is detailed for us here in Psalm 104, verse 3 to 5. He lays the beam of his upper chambers in the water. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. He establishes the earth upon its foundation so that it will not totter forever and ever. Now, the psalmist here begins by detailing us this separation of the waters, which Genesis 1 tells us that he created an expanse, a firmament, the atmosphere, to separate uh, the waters above from the waters below. And so, uh, that is what the psalmist here is detailing here as the upper chamber. So, we have this expanse, we have this firmament, the atmosphere created. It separates the water on the earth from the water above the earth, or the water in the atmosphere, in the upper chamber. Uh, and it says that uh, uh, he makes uh, his upper chambers in the water. Now, again, we're reading this from uh, this perspective of most likely David, and he understands that God is in the heavens, and so he looks up and he sees the heavens, he sees the atmosphere, he sees the clouds, and God lives above them, okay? Now, obviously, from a more theological perspective, we realize that there's the first heaven, which is our atmosphere, the second heaven, which is outer space, the third heaven, which is the abode of God. But again, from a purely human perspective of somebody sitting there, looking up at the sky, seeing the clouds, they're going to simply depict God as dwelling above them. Now, also, notice he says he makes the clouds as his chariot. And how often throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament do we see God coming or going in the clouds? Uh, in fact, uh, Ezekiel uh, defines God's chariot as a cloud car. You know, it's surrounded in clouds. It moves from place to place. We know that Jesus was taken up from the earth in a cloud in Acts 1.9. He will return in the clouds with great power and glory, according to Mark 13.26. Uh, he also notes here that God walks on the wings of the wind. And again, we have a, a designation here of God's display of sovereignty over nature. It's symbolizing his transcendent glory. Then we have a unique statement that we don't necessarily have in Genesis 1. We now know that here on day two, God creates angels. He creates and commands the angels. He makes them spirits or winds, his ministers, his servants, a flame of fire. And of course, we know from Isaiah that the angels appear as serpentine-like creatures, but are also depicted as fiery, as a, a fiery serpent. And so they're a flame of fire, they're spirits uh, that he creates. So if, if you want to know when, where the angels were created, 
This is where and when they are created on day two. Now, you're wondering perhaps why does Genesis 1 not give us that information? Because the focus of Genesis 1 is solely upon the creation of human beings. So everything in those creative days is building towards the ultimate creation of humanity. Okay, Here the focus is on God's creative power. And so that's why the psalmist also denotes, hey, he created the angels here on day two. Notice his thoughts then move to the earth. He lays the foundation of the earth. So he secures the earth. He secures that it should not be moved forever. Uh, This does not mean the earth is eternal. It does mean that it will not be moved into chaos. Why? Because God made it. God upholds it. God will keep it. And, of course, we know the earth will not be uh, a destroyed earth, but a renewed earth in the future. So in the first two days, we see God's creative power and God's sustaining power. You know, as the psalmist declared in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. When is the last time you took a moment to just sit back and look up, to look at the clouds, to look at the sky, to look out at the heavens, at the night skies, the stars, and so forth? As we look at creation, does it drive you to worship? Have you ever taken a moment to worship God because of what you see in creation, because you see his creative power in creation. We're going to pause here, but I would challenge you to take a moment, to take more than a moment, look at creation. Just take the first two days of creation, as we've done so far in this devotion. Look at those things created on day one and day two, and use them to inspire, to charge your worship. Praise God that he created light. Praise God that he created darkness. Praise God that he created the atmosphere, that he separated the waters above from the waters below. Praise God that he created the earth and established it so that it would not be moved. Father God in heaven, creator, we come to you through our redeemer, Jesus Christ. And Father, you created us to worship and you redeemed us to restore us to that worship. May we give you the praise that is due your name. May we give you the praise because of your power in creation. Uh, Again, Lord, I would ask and pray that you would forgive us of our sins, of our shortcomings. Father, so often we, we are surrounded by creation each and every day from the moment of we rise up to the moment we lie down. And yet, Father, so often we do not take the time to consider it and to use it as a means of worship. And yet, you've given it to us. You've revealed it to us. You haven't just revealed it to us, Father, simply to uh, fill up a page in Scripture but to point to your power. And Father, also you've given us this psalm to show us how to worship, how to use the scripture to worship. And so, Father, I pray that as we study through Genesis 1, as we study Psalm 104, that, Father, you will cause us to consider the created realm in which we live 
And that, Father, as we look at each and every part of it, we might see you, we might see your hand, your power, and in turn give you praise. Father, I ask and pray that you would keep us from the evil one, keep us from the one who seeks our destruction, the one that would tempt us, keep us from sin. And Father, I ask and pray that we would glorify you both now, today, and forever in all that we say and do. And we say to this, amen.